0: Hey everybody, I'm Vicki. I'm Lynn. And we are?
1: Telling on ourselves.
0: Minus Bree.
1: I know, today we are two. Well, we are three because we have a special guest that I'm we so do. excited about, so incredibly excited about. But as far as hosts go today, we're two because Brie is on a very important self-improvement journey this weekend.
0: Yes, she is working yeah. with the big old Tony Robbins. That is big time. Right, right. Awesome sauce. So, um, so
1: we gave her a pass, easily a pass. It's like, yeah. of course, please do right. this. Right, yes. Share everything you learn.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, so Lynn, I hear you have First Thought Wrong.
1: I do, and it's actually a uh, second person. Uh, a friend told me this, and she gave me permission to share it. I tried to get her to come on on the podcast, but she wasn't quite there. It's yeah. our friend Sue. It's a mutual friend of ours. So, And this is hilarious. And while she was telling me, I'm like, this is such a great First Thought Wrong. So... <laughs> And and, um, so a couple of weeks ago, she went to New Orleans to visit her sister and to help her move. Um, So she was flying. And um, she was in the airport at O'Hare, which is typically really busy, but still in times. My sister calls these the end times. Um, that's how we referred to it for the last year. And um, so before end times, you know, O'Hare was a hot mess on a Sunday morning. because that's when she flew out. But this time she said she walked literally went through all the maze of up and down and up and down and walked right to the security guy. She said, I was waiting for somebody to like say they were, I was punked because there's just no way that this <laughs> happens at O'Hare. So a very small line and then she walks up to the next step in it and they said, can you step over to the right? And she's like, okay. And um, a guy comes up and he said, we're going to pair you off in twos and when we tell you step forward and she's like, okay, this is really weird. So she, um, (laughs) the next person comes through and steps up beside her and they move forward. And a uh, drug dog, a German shepherd walks up and they're like, you know, don't touch, don't talk to, don't try to pet. So he walks around them, does the sniffing thing. And she realized behind her, they were pairing everybody up while she was telling me this. I'm like, I bet they were training And you'll understand why in a minute and she goes yeah so because it was so empty it was probably a great opportunity for them to do some training because it was all pretty low-key so she steps forward well there's two girls behind her that she had noticed coming in and they were cute like mid-20s you know 20-somethings and um they walk up to the dog and one of the girls is uh carrying a like a gift bag and the dog um starts barking at her (laughs) Sue said she turned around and she goes, well, she looks like a pothead. <laughs> <laughs> so um, they take them to the side. They talk to him for a few minutes and then they, the two girls start laughing they're walking along and they're going in the same terminal as Sue. So Sue walked up to him and she goes, what happened? What was that about? And the girl goes, I have no idea. It was just, it's just, I don't know what the dog thought it smelled. This is just a gift. It has, you know, XXX X, in it. And when she told me that, I'm like, I bet they were training the dog because it was something weird. And so she said, she ended up talking to them for a few minutes and they were really sweet girls. And she's like, and of course, me judging, looking at them, going, oh, I bet she's she looks like a pothead. <laughs> so it's always a good lesson for us to not judge before we'd have the whole story.
0: <laughs> and so funny. And um, isn't pot legal, but you can't fly with it, right? You can't
1: fly with it, yeah.
0: Okay. So I'm like, well,
1: it's it's legal,
0: you know? (laughs) (laughs) They're in the, they're in, they have like a little pot smoking section at (laughs) O'Hare. Then I couldn't go to the bars or the section.
1: Which, you know, a lot of people would argue is really good for anxiety. It is. It which is. is what our topic is about today
0: it <laughs> is our topic fascinating how did we come to it, I love
1: when I have those magical moments it was a great segue <laughs> <laughs> so we have a fantastic guest here today that um Vicki curated for us her name is Whitney Rose and she did a memoir that um I honestly just read the synopsis but it's in my Amazon queue to order right away And I can't wait to hear her story. It's very compelling. And I think it's relatable for a lot of us. So we're going to get into that. But first, I do have a definition from Definition Corner about anxiety. And it is termed as intense, excessive, and persistent worry and fear about everyday situations. Fast heart rate, rapid breathing, sweating, and feeling tired may occur. And I just thought that was a great definition of what I have suffered with anxiety many times over. Many, many times over.
0: So Whitney, thank you for being here. Thank you guys for having me so much. We're so excited. You know, I, I interviewed Whitney for the Habit Mastery Summit, and it was a little more formal. So I'm excited mm-hmm. to just have some fun uh, oh, yeah. with you today here on Telling on <laughs> Ourselves, because we're a bunch of goofy gals. Uh, serious awesome. about recovery, but goofy nonetheless. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, yeah, but, nice
1: about anxiety.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I definitely guilty. I I mean, not guilty. I I have been a, a major sufferer of that many of my days. But um, mm-hmm. but Whitney, would you mind telling telling um your your story? Uh, how it happened. A brief synopsis. Um, sure. I, I've heard it already, but it's really really good, and I think important for people to hear. Yeah. Sure. Um, I have had anxiety
2: forever Um, it wasn't one particular moment or event that happened um, which could be the the cause and effect of of having anxiety but for me um having generalized anxiety in addition having panic attack disorder uh, made my childhood adolescence and and even adulthood um Difficult to to handle, <laughs> to say the least. And um, I was not properly diagnosed with anxiety until uh, I was a teenager. So, as a really small child, and um, you know, all through my teenage years, I I wasn't sure what these feelings were, um, and so I was I was labeled by uh, doctors and teachers and and just kind of the world as um, kind of a misfit and being misunderstood, maybe even just being like rebellious, um, when in fact I was suffering greatly inside and, and didn't have the proper definition of anxiety um, <clears throat> until I was about 15, the summer I was turning 15, and I learned uh, what anxiety and, and panic disorder was. And then I was able to uh, move forward properly in the in the cor- correct direction and under- fully getting to understand myself and what what that means moving forwards.
1: You know, um, I was crippled Mm. by anxiety as an adult. I had some really uh, traumatic life altering um, situations happen. And that was my first panic attack. And I was in my Mm. thirties. I went to my regular GP and he prescribed me something for it. And then I started seeing a therapist. This was a long time before recovery, but before Mm -hmm. then, and Mm -hmm. what I've noticed, we as alcoholics, especially don't know what it is, but we do know that if you use alcohol or some other agent to numb it, it quiets those no. voices. And I was absolutely doing that because I, you know, you can't sleep, uh, your mind races, you're in the circular thought pattern, all these things that are so mm-hmm. overwhelming that the only thing that I could do to sleep, you know, to function was to drink, to get through it. And we just, we don't even know because it doesn't always, it isn't always, uh, always been there in your life. You know, it can come on yes. because of certain, uh, life events. And that's
2: what happened. Absolutely.
1: I didn't, I, I had no tools. I had no language for it. I didn't even begin to understand what it was.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and like you said, it, it's crippling, uh, debilitating mm-hmm. and your whole life revolves around anxiety, um, or, you know, a panic disorder. And even, even today, um, after having you know more than half of my lifetime with the understanding of oh this is anxiety, um, it's 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 always there. It's always a process, no matter how you know quote unquote well you have it under control um, or you're monitoring it. It's it's always um, something that is there and you're dealing with. Uh, so that's also a good a good thing to to understand and and to be able to process.
1: You know what I've learned and I had this epiphany yesterday when I was talking with my sponsor and Vicki reiterated it this morning in a meeting that we had. And it's like a lot of things that I do struggle with, like resentment or anger, Mm. just because I figure out what it is, what it feels like, what it looks like to me. It doesn't mean that it's not going to ever happen again. I just have better tools to deal with it. And that's what I've learned with anxiety is that it, it doesn't just stop because now I know what it is. And I take a pill every morning. It doesn't stop. Absolutely.
2: It, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you bring up a good point, um, whether you take medication or not, or uh, you have, you can have all the tools you want in the world. Um, but it also is just, it's learning how to, to deal with it. And I think, anxiety is such a vicious cycle where because the once you experience it and you know how awful it is uh the anticipation of it coming back on is can be even more scary than actually going through it Um, and so just being prepared and having the skills and I think reaching out to a, uh, whether it's your therapist, a group of friends, family, whoever, um, having that support system and that support team is, is vital in your, your success in, I wouldn't say beating anxiety, because um, like we said, it's always there. Um, but just being able to manage it
0: on a day to day. And so my question is, um, what does that look like for you today? It's, it is a struggle for me um,
2: day to day. For example, this morning is a good day. I woke up and it was like that feeling is is not in my chest. Um, you know, anxiety, on kind of a side note, anxiety can manifest in so many different ways. It can be physical uh, where, you know, you just, you're shaky, you feel dizzy, you know, your, um, like your heart's racing, um, you know, you, you, you physically feel it. And then it can also be completely mental where your, your thoughts are just going and going and, you know, um, all over the place or, you know, both at the same time, um, and for me, most of the time it manifests physically. Um, mm-hmm. And so I can like feel it when I wake up, it's like, oh, today is going to be more of a difficult day. <laughs> uh, yesterday I woke up and I'm like having heart palpitations and, you know, I'm like, my mind is calm. You know, there's nothing really specific that I am worried about, you know, overthinking, et cetera. Um, but my body's, for some reason, is releasing too much um, whatever is in in my brain, you know, that's physically causing me to kind of freak out. Um, and in those moments, you have to kind of think, okay, what are the tools? Um, what is it in this moment that I need? Uh, staying in the moment is, I think, uh, another vital, um, tool to being able to manage your anxiety. Um, so sometimes it might be that I need to uh, ex- expend it from my physical body and what does that look like going for a nice brisk walk outside or is it uh, doing a, a you know weight lifting to actually like physically get my my heart rate up and get it out of my body or, is it that I need to sit down, close my eyes, take deep breaths, do kind of a meditation. Um, and that's, that's kind of, you know, up to, up to the individual that's going through anxiety, um, how to manage. Um, and I think a part of, of knowing what you need to help yourself is gives you, um, a sense of empowerment and control. And that's what a lot of anxiety is, is feeling a lack of control. Um, And so day to day, I have to take it day to day, hour by hour, moment by moment, and remind myself to really stay in the moment.
0: And that's so it's very parallel to the advice that we get when we come into the the rooms of recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, one day at a time, at the beginning, it's usually one minute at a time. Mm-hmm. and it's, it's funny because, um, if I were to tell a lot of people that I had social anxiety, they can never believe it because I'm very friendly and and when I get to know you, it doesn't seem like it. But man, when I'm in a crowd or when I'm in certain situations, um, still it can just come over me like you were talking on a physical level and sometimes even, that's what's so twisted about it is sometimes on a thinking level when I'm anticipating it, it can it can bring that up, and and I think it's so interesting because it's so similar to this thinking disease that we have, being alcoholics, alcoholism. Because alcoholism is is technically um, a physical allergy, an abnormal experience, right? When we put alcohol into our body. Um, our body wants more, you know, and it reacts differently than it does to people that don't have the allergy. And then it's that thinking side of it. So it's twofold. It's physical and it's mental. And I think that whole idea of being in the moment, using your tools, I think there are so, so many similarities that you have learned that are so um, powerful in helping people in recovery, which is why Mm -hmm. I'm really glad that you're here to share about it because a lot of people in our audience aren't just in recovery. So Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of a way to not be an alcoholic, but understand what an alcoholic goes through, right?
1: (laughs) I, I would like to refer back to the physical part of this because I a lot of times would wake up in the morning for no reason. And I call it the butterflies in the stomach and didn't understand what it was until later. Mm. And it's like, I was saying earlier, I didn't have the language yet. I didn't know this language for it. And now it's weird because it is like your brain is producing an extra something that day for apparently to me at the moment, no reason, but I've got the I've got the I call it my anxiety tummy. And it's just like kind of fluttery. And because I'm learning mindfulness better um, I can I can do the examination like you were saying. What is going on? And if it's fear, you know, I know now fear is not going to kill me. Um, it might be a little scary, but I can I can lean into it and I can ask myself those questions. And really, the the power that fear has is not questioning it. So once I question it, Mm -hmm. it breaks it down and it's not so scary anymore. But for so many years, I just, I didn't even understand what those butterflies in my stomach were, but I would really have that, um, a lot. And, um, yeah, if you don't, if you don't know the questions to ask, you're not going to make any progress. So it takes a little work.
2: Absolutely. I think for myself, um, years it took years and years of of going to therapy um some therapists i totally vibed with um and i i credit them for literally saving my life in many ways um and i and i go through that in my book uh some of some of the therapists that walked me through some of the roughest uh uh, moments of my life um and just taking bits and pieces of what they taught me and then and then really being able to go inward and understanding myself and what works best for yourself. Um, so again it's like very individualized what might work for you know uh, you guys, I might be like this is crazy and something that I might advocate, you know, that really works for me every time. You guys might be like this is ridiculous, you know, or it's making my anxiety worse. Um so it's really understanding yourself and being self-aware. Um and like Lynn said, you know, not being afraid of fear, sitting with it, uh, what feels scary. Uh, Don't, don't suppress it, be with it. And, and it's okay. You know, um, I know there's a quote, that's, that's something like, you know, paraphrasing, but, you know, you've, you've made it through every single panic attack so far, you know, you're doing okay, you know, and, and so you're going to survive even though in that moment, it may feel like the end of the world. Um, but it is just a moment and being present in that moment is, is what it's all about.
0: So, I mean, just a, as a question, um, cause everybody is so different and, um, what is, what are some tools that you've found that help you one or two, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, I think for, well,
2: it's kind of a a complex answer because if we're talking about just feeling generalized anxiety, um, where it's just the day is overwhelming, or the days, the weeks, um, which I have especially been struggling with through this uh pandemic um, where life just took a complete 180 and um for for someone like me that with anxiety routine is so key you know it's this is what I expect this is my schedule and when that is flipped or or um changed it's it's difficult for me my my mind to be like okay just go with the flow it is what it is now um I'm like no no it's supposed to be this at this time at this day and so um if it's generalized I would say focus on well first I would say you have to find what centers you for me personally uh Every day, meditation in the morning, first thing. Um, What does that look like? I mean, it can look like anything for anybody, really. Um, I personally am trained in the transcendental meditation. Um, So that looks like sitting down and closing my eyes. For other people, you know, it could be what is... um, called uh, japa which is basically you're repeating a, a mantra as you're moving around so you're not just sitting um or it could be some look like something like um you know exercising um you know my my mother is an artist and i know through painting that puts her in that meditative grounding mind state um Another example would be this past week was difficult for me for no particular reason. Um, and, I, and I just took a moment to, to think, what, what do I need for myself? I homeschool my son. And um, so I said, you know, we're not going to sit down and do academics this week we're going out to the woods <laughs> every day we're just going to drive to a different section of the woods and we're going to explore and you know we just went out and we were grounded in nature uh breathing the fresh air and that was very settling and kind of brought brought you back um if you're if you're in a social situation you know there's different tools uh which for me would be and this this was i think the hardest part especially like let's just say you're you're in the supermarket and you start getting overwhelmed <clears throat> my instinct is to leave the cart in the aisle and just leave because it's so overwhelming my heart's pounding. The the aisles are closing in on me. I can feel like I'm going to pass out at moments. And I just want to run to my car and leave. Over the years, my therapist has taught me, if you have to leave your cart and walk out of the store, okay, but don't get in your car and leave. Stand outside of the supermarket or sit in your car, but don't leave. Ground yourself and go back in. Because if I leave, I'm training my brain. Every time you go into the supermarket, you're going to panic <laughs> and you're going to bolt. But if you train your brain slowly, okay, this time I'm feeling uh, overwhelmed, panicky. Uh, I don't like you know this. Then you walk out. You you take a moment. Whether it's in your car, whether it's just a few deep breaths outside you go back in. Maybe you only get back to your cart before you have to walk away again, but little steps because eventually you're going to walk in there and you're going to get through the entire trip without a a moment of that social anxiety or that panic. And the more times you do that, the more confident you are uh, without, with feeling empowered. And then it's kind of just Second nature, um so it's really training your brain in those kind of of
0: situations, um, those, and that can. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say those good old wagon wheel ruts. I said it right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we call
1: them. We call our neuropaths wagon wheel ruts, and we're we're creating new ones, and you, the other ones are deep, you know, and the wheels want to keep yes. sliding in there.
2: Yes. Yeah, it's. It's I always say and I tell my son, because he he struggles with anxiety in in, in a, a little bit of different ways. Um, but it's all about retraining your brain. Like you guys said, you know, the brain is is a computer and it it's downloaded with stuff and it doesn't want to change, but it it can easily be changed if you are ready to put in the effort um and not give in to fear um and embrace it the opposite of fear is love so if we want we don't want to be residing in fear we everybody would much rather be residing in a place of love so if we can retrain our brain to let go of that that fear and know that we're in control um then it will automatically and naturally turn into what is the opposite. Um, so yeah, I think it comes down to rewiring and retraining.
1: I love it. And you know, the word that you've used several times is empowering. And mm-hmm. I think that is that is so important and, and such a key to learning. Now to live with anxiety, we don't conquer it. You know, it's, it's a thing that we learn to live with. And we like to say, um, I think it was Glennon Doyle or Liz Gilbert one time was saying with their, their problem parts of their personality and their being is, it's like the bratty little sister and we put her in the back seat. She's still in the car, but she doesn't get to drive the car. She doesn't even get to give directions or suggestions for directions, but she's in the car. And I love that. It's like we're empowering ourselves to say you can be in here, but you don't get to tell me where I'm going.
2: Exactly. Mm -hmm.
1: I love it. Um, Vicki, I think had mentioned this before about, um, medication. And there is a taboo in the rooms. Um, sometimes I'm not saying that this is not a broad generalization and I think it's changing. It's gotten a lot better, but, um, there was a mindset that if you did choose to use medication for treating your anxiety, it could be seen as using, um, a substance. Is that, am I Mm -hmm. correct? Vicki, you could probably articulate this better.
0: I'm sorry. I had a teenager that was going to be late because I forgot to put her clothes in the dryer, and she was yelling at me. So.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, she got her job. Um, articulate the old uh, ideas and uh, culture of using medication to help treat anxiety in the yeah. Room.
0: So, so one of the things that you know, no mind altering substance is really what we what is recommended. And I think I've experienced, because I do take antidepressants and anti-anxiety medi- medication, and I have experienced being, um, that's very frowned upon by certain people. And I've um, had had friends that have actually been, you know, s- told that they're not sober because of that. And, and so, you know, there are some very, um, very harsh Feelings about that, and 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 my message that I've learned and that I give to people that go through it is: first of all, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Um, But in our literature, even back in the 30s, before all of these things were studied and learned about, uh, they say, "Listen to what the doctors say." Pay attention to the doctors. If the doctors give you guidance to do something, it's okay. You are okay to do it. And I think it's like this whole idea of to thine own self be true, right? Um, We, if something, so for me, when I don't take my medication, I can feel something different very quickly, very quickly. It's usually like two days. If I miss my medication, I start to feel myself mentally and physically going down this this little path, right? And I've learned in my recovery that, okay, so what does that mean? If I feel better when I take my medication and that stuff doesn't happen, what do you think I should do to enhance my recovery, not stop taking it. Right. So, I mean, I think sometimes in the spiritual world, and, and I, I would love for you to speak to this because Whitney is, is um, involved in a, a very spiritual community. And, and I think sometimes it's like this idea of, oh, because we rely on God, right? God, our higher power, we rely on the universe, whatever it is to help us with our disease. However, part of that is knowing what's good for us physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. So my encouragement is to people that do have to take meditation and medication, do do meditation too, take medication, that's (laughs) awesome. But you're not weak because of it, because it's just your body. And, And you need to know, like you said earlier, it's an individualized thing. Everybody is very different. And we have to listen to the professionals if we're gonna keep ourselves in a place of setting ourselves up for as much success as possible with our illness, with our mental, with our mental, um, challenges. So that's my two cents.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Um, you speak to us Whitney about your, uh, spiritual practice that you have that helps you as well with your, um, anxiety on a daily basis? You mentioned meditation.
2: Yeah. Um, well, First, going back to what Vicky just spoke about and the kind of stigma and bias that goes with taking medication, um, part of my, uh, I think, overall message that I like to deliver is medication is okay. If just like what Vicky said, if if you're not abusing it in any way, if you're not using it. Um, you know, in the wrong way, and you're and you're using it as your doctor uh, prescribed because of of an evaluation that he or she did. Um, that's good. <laughs> that's a good thing because it will it will help you. Um, for many, many years, I've been on and off of anxiety medication. Um, a large part of me going off of medication was, because of, uh, feeling societal pressures, uh, that medication, especially in the spiritual community, um, is bad, you know, and they, I, I want to say again, you know, quote unquote, they as, <laughs> as a, as a, a, a sum, a whole, um, and this isn't everybody, but the majority, you know, they're anti-vax, anti-medication, you know, everything natural. Um, but if, you're, if your brain and your physiology is naturally missing a chemical that is usually naturally produced, then taking a medication to help you function um, and be the, the best self that you can be nothing wrong with that absolutely um and i think breaking that stigma and talking about it uh and normalizing it is necessary um i my guru is amma amachi and you know she always says listen to the doctors like she she will say listen to the doctors what they have to say, um, because you know some people do have the capability of sitting down and meditating, and then they're like good for the day. Um, some people that that have the actual physical chemical imbalance, which is no fault to them at all, they need that little extra uh, serotonin pill um, that I take every day and and much like Vicky said if I don't take my medication it is within a day or two that I will spiral and I'll spiral quickly um and me being off of medication I can I can go you know my day-to-day life but I'm not I'm not thriving I'm not progressing. I'm just kind of existing and struggling. Uh, And being on medication has this past time, I would say, I don't know, maybe I moved to Iowa from the Bay Area um, in California almost seven years ago now. And when I first arrived, I wanted to be off of medication. I'm not really sure why, (laughs) Uh, but I just was like, I don't want, and I got off of it um, and panic attacks, you know, came back, generalized anxiety, agoraphobia where I was not leaving my house. Like I couldn't even think about leaving my house and I am a full-time single mom that needs to be fully present for my child. And I wasn't even fully present for myself um so then coming back to okay well medication is what works for me um just like you know the strategies that you are are given and the tools that work best for you medication is individualized so you know the the amount the doses that's why they have a million different ones to try um and for me personally taking uh, antidepressant that is utilized for anxiety as well, plus an additional anxiety medication, mm-hmm. just helps me uh, stay balanced. Um, it doesn't eliminate, like I think Lynn said earlier, it's not a magic pill, but it definitely helps you to get through your day, get through your week, you know, so on and so forth. Um, I think, like I said before, breaking the stigma of um, in, needing medication needs to needs to be talked about and
0: normalized well, and it kind of goes with the whole thing of um in my opinion, it kind of goes with the whole thing of mental illness is very hard to understand because you can't see it, right? Mm-hmm. you can't it's not like. Um, you can't prick your blood and see that your blood sugar is a certain level and know you need insulin, right? But would we ever say to someone that, is diabetic not to take their insulin, right? Because their body is depleted of a medication, uh, depleted of a chemical, they need help, blah, 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 right? But so for some reason with this mental illness, people don't see it and when they don't experience it, they really don't understand it and it's something that also happens with alcoholics when you don't have the desire to, when you take your first drink to just keep going and partying, you're like, ooh, I'm I'm good with that. When you're like that, you don't understand what people are talking about. About that—that that just can't control their drinking, right? So it's—it's it's like this for me. It's the message that I love that we hear in the rooms, and it's so powerful. And I remember it from when my dad was in the rooms before I even got sober. Was live and let live, and um, everybody's entitled to do what's best for them. And and with that, having the courage to do your own thing, even though people might not understand it. And like you said, your kid relies upon you. And that is showing up for yourself lets you show up for your child. And I think that um, I think that is where the real courage comes. Absolutely. Here, here, here.
1: Yeah, there's so many parallels. Um, I'm learning Whitney. Thank you um, between what we suffer with, um, alcoholism or addiction and, um, anxiety. And one thing that you said that really clicked with me was I was just surviving. And that's what we Mm learn when we start our journey and recovery is that we had been in survival mode for so long. The idea of thrive mode, it's not, you know, it's not, I I didn't even know what it was because I had just been in the fight, flight, or fright, you know, for Mm -hmm. so long. We're we're using our, our lizard brain to just get by. And when you finally can crack open that door and see that light and go, oh, there is another way I can live. And it's it's a beautiful way. And 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 if people don't suffer from it, like Vicky was saying, you know, we get all the time, well, if, if you don't want to drink, just stop. Well, if you don't want to have a panic attack, just don't. And it's not, it's not. <laughs> that doesn't <Right>. work. <laughs> That's right. not how we work.
2: Because we're special. So- yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, people that, people that have never experienced anxiety, um, especially, um, severe anxiety that is a, um, a chemical imbalance, panic attacks, they, they will never understand, um, much like somebody that has never had a dependency on any substance, they just won't understand. You can't just stop. Um, it's like when you're freaking out in the moment and someone looks at you and says, just calm down, Uh, just breathe. (laughs) And you're like, Oh, Oh, I should have thought of that
0: 30 years ago. Thank you. (laughs) Like what? I have a funny down. story with that. I have a funny story with that. I remember <laughs> it was I was getting married and I'm in my big old dress and I have to like back up into the elevator and I was panicking, right? I was having a moment. I was like, "Oh my god, what's going on?" And and my sister-in-law is like, "Vicky," and she's this very calm, beautiful human. I love her so much and she she goes, Vicki, just breathe. I'm like, I am breathing. I wouldn't be able to talk if I wasn't breathing. Don't you know that? Like, it was so. Like, I was like, of course I want. I should breathe, but shut up. You know, it was so funny. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like that calm. That calm down. Oh God. That that's yeah. like. That's the worst thing you could say. To, to someone who's having it, just it's just a PSA, you know, public
1: service. announcement. It doesn't even need to be a full-blown panic attack. It just needs, you know, if we're having some anxiety and somebody said, just calm down, oh. it's gonna be fine. You know, that's when the that, here
0: it goes like double finger to you. Right. <laughs> yep. That's exactly you wanna right. see calm?
1: I'll show you calm.
2: Breath. I'll breathe,
0: right. I'll breathe real good. <laughs> but um, thank you for helping us shine the light on this because, you know, I mean, that's, that's really so important for all of us to know and to understand and, and the the piece of just being compassionate, though you might not understand and you might not feel it and you might not know or believe it doesn't mean it's not real. Right. And, um, and I think it's just so, I don't know. What I do think, and and this is just a, this is an editorial. This is, this is an opinion. This is not a fact. I haven't studied this, but I do think that a lot more people are, are since the pandemic and since that, Mm -hmm. that we're isolated are understanding a little bit more what depression and what anxiety and what mental illness looks like, because it's really difficult to make a shift like this. And Mm -hmm. I think People that didn't used to understand are having a, having some experiences that are giving them a little bit more compassion, and 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 I give them compassion, you know, because it's um it's not easy to deal with feelings sometimes, especially when your body takes over and it intensifies them. <laughs>
2: exactly. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Uh, well, we like
1: to end the episode and what we call our golden nuggets and it's things that really jumped out. I'll, I call it my neon sign when it's like screaming over my head, you know, like the motel, vacant or not vacant. But before that, so um, if I may, I was doing a little bit of reading and uh, synopsis of your books and I saw a haiku. Can I read mm. this? Yeah. Um, yeah. Manifestation. Isn't it magical when your idea breeds life? Mm. And I just love that because, you know, we, we, it's beautiful. I'm going to put this on my mirror. I'm not kidding because it's, it's, we have a choice and and we can choose, we can choose every moment of the day to not live the way we're living. And we do that through empowerment, you know, enlightenment, all those things it's possible. And I just love it.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much. (laughs) So my golden nugget was the, <clears throat> the the information you shared about the grocery store because I have left a uh, grocery basket that was filled mm. to the brim in the middle of an aisle before I have done it. and um, I just get in my car and I get get out zoom out of there. but um you know, it hasn't happened in a long time. but if it does, I love the advice of okay, just go outside and breathe, you know. Because we're doing it on our own. Someone isn't telling us. No, I'm just kidding. And or and or going in the car and taking your moment and then stepping back into that and knowing that you're going to be okay. And and I really liked that. That was my goal. The,
1: the empowerment. And that's, I think, the biggest takeaway I had today was, and I, I don't think I recognized, I wasn't connecting those two things, even with all the tools that I have learned and, and working on learning about um, controlling my choices um, it's empowerment gives me gives me that freedom it gives me that power to do um what i need to do to have a thriving thriving life instead of a surviving life mm.
2: yeah that's beautiful <laughs> thank you
1: so, so much whitney this has been so much fun uh, we are going to put up on our show notes your book is breaking up with anxiety Um, And we'll make sure people know where to find you. Do you have any other social media they can track you down at? I have a writing page
2: on Facebook, uh, Wits Writing Corner. And I'm also on Instagram, uh, WhitneyRose108. And I write on Medium, which is where you uh, came upon that haiku. Um, I mm-hmm. have a, a poetry um, publication called Flickr and Flight where people can publish their poetry. Um, it's also linked to photography. So I love yeah. photography. I think one of my meditations is going out and taking photographs. So mm-hmm. um, all of those places... And the book is exclusively right now on, on Amazon. So,
0: okay. well, congratulations. Awesome. And, you know, I, I, I really, I appreciate what you do uh, for yourself, for your son and for the world. And I'm grateful that you came and shared with us, Whitney. Thank you, Thank so, you so much. much. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening
2: to another episode of Telling on Ourselves. Please rate, review, share, subscribe, download our podcast at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you want more Telling on Ourselves, please find us and follow us and like us on Instagram and Facebook at Telling on Ourselves. Tribe out.